What up? <laughs> Yahoo! Or, what, what? Something like Yabba Dabba Doo. Thank you, Pastor. Good evening, church. Hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Well, that's a big bite, isn't it? They're everywhere. And there seems to be, at times, no cure for them. You ever get caught up in that cycle where you keep working on something? You keep trying to reach for the goals that you've set for yourself or even reach for the goals that seemingly your Heavenly Father has promised you and you keep reaching and you keep coming up short. Call it a relapse or whatever the term might be. I don't know what your hurts, your habits, or your hang-ups are. And I'm certainly not just preaching to those of you who might have got yourself caught up into some type of chemical use. I want to minister to you this evening from the Word of God about a subject that will certainly, that has ministered to me all of my life, but especially recently, and then I hope that will minister to you. But before we do, let's pray, all right? Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful, Lord. So grateful for this opportunity, for this time together to break the bread of life, to share among ourselves, to minister to one another. And we're so thankful for your presence, for your goodness. Holy Spirit, abide, minister, move, flow, do as you will this evening. Open our minds, turn on the light bulbs so that we can see things differently. Let something be said that will cause us to get up out of our do-nothing, cause us to get up out of our depression, whatever our state of mind is, and want to reach higher. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was praying, I was reminded that I want to remind you that this is not my show. You know, if I need to speak the whole period of time, I will. And let me also add to that that... Uh, my wife got on to me. She wasn't here, nor is she here this evening, and I meant for us to pray. We may have to pray again real quick here in a moment, but she's headed to uh, Chattanooga with uh, Kendra and our justice. Uh, poor little thing is real sick again and headed back to the hospital in Chattanooga. You know, she spent about a month there. Um, there are just some little babies that are born that seemingly the beginning of life is nothing but a struggle, and that is this little baby, bless her heart. Um, she just struggles all the time um, with something. Something's going on, um, you know, with the lungs and the congestion and all of these things, and it's... For her, not only just being as small as she is, but because of her previous condition, it gets to be life-threatening. Uh, and that, I'm afraid, is where we might be right now. So um, we simply need to pray. Um, I don't ever bring my phone into church, but I have it in my back pocket here in case Miss Connie wants to uh, give me a buzz. So let's just pray real quick, all right? 
Lord, you said where two or three agree. And God, although we can't touch her physically, we reach out and touch her with our prayers, this little baby, our justice, and in Jesus' name, that you would do for this little child, this little infant, what we can't do, what the mother can't do, what doctors can't do. Lord, in Jesus' name, we speak a miracle. We cause every cell, every muscle, every thing in her body to line up with the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. And I started that by saying that uh, my wife wasn't here last time, but she did not fail to tell me that I preached too long or spoke too long. Um, and I said, well, you weren't even there. How would you know? And she said, uh, I have my ways. You know, she's put this thing on my phone. First of all, I'm not an electronic kind of guy. I don't know. I can't, I don't even text, okay? If I couldn't speak into it, you know, I'd say, text so-and-so, and if she don't come on and say, okay, what you want to say? then you ain't getting text, I can tell you that right now. Um, but uh, she put this thing on my phone that tells her exactly where I'm at at all times. Um, I, maybe I should be offended, and you can meet with me after service and certainly stir that up and let me know that she's not trusting me if you'd like to, but uh, it doesn't bother me because I don't plan on going somewhere where I shouldn't be going anyway, so... You know, I'm good with it. Um, I want to talk with you this evening about peace. Peace is, you know, it's almost like waves at times. It seems to come and go, does it not? Um, it's not meant to be. God didn't mean it to be that way. It's us. It's the way we look at things. It's how we think about things. It's how we interpret things. It's what we've been taught as children all the way coming up into adulthood, and now here we are. We're adults, and as uh, pointed out by Pastor Todd, some of us are more adult, more, more older than others. Um, but it just, uh, it, it's, it's us. We are the problem. This peace that I'm going to describe to you this evening was meant to stay with us. It was meant for us to be able to walk in it and abide in it and trust in it and have with us every moment of every hour, every second, every day, every week, every month, every year that we live, that we exist. But because of the way that we look and see things, and because of our belief system, it keeps, it goes and it comes. It goes and it comes. It doesn't go voluntarily. It goes because we let it go and we walk away from it. Let that sink in for just a moment to you. You and I voluntarily let go of it, walk away from it, and somehow we work our way back around to it again, whether that's through a message, whether that's through a meeting or a series of meetings or whatever it is. You ever been in a place where you would 
maybe go to a revival, go to a series of meetings, and um, you would certainly be blessed, hear the word, stir it up, all of these things, and you would think, man, I've missed this. Where has it been? It ain't been anywhere. It's been right on our front door knocking. It's you and I that moved away. It's you and I that failed to answer. Peace, not as the world gives. Let's talk for a moment about the peace that the world gives. And anytime I might ask you, anybody got a comment, anybody have anything, I want you to feel free to speak up. But the, the peace of the world, and I'm not talking about governments trying to uh, legislate peace with another country or armies or wars. I'm not talking about that kind of peace. Jesus clearly said to us, I didn't come to bring peace. Amen. Jerusalem, Israel, if peace is what you're looking for, I'm not here for that kind of peace. I'm here for a totally different kind of peace. In this world, we're going to have tribulation. There will never be a day that goes by that this world as a whole is at peace until Jesus comes back and in that new heaven and in that new earth. But until then, folks, we are barking up the wrong tree if we think we're going to have this magical, mystical thing called peace. But I'm not even talking about that kind of peace. I'm talking about the peace that's in our heart. I'm talking about peace of mind. I'm talking about peace of spirit. I'm talking about personal peace that you and I can exist and live and dwell and have our being on a daily basis and have peace. The world says, take this and do that. We see commercials after commercials and all of these things. Feel good about yourself. Have peace about yourself. Take this diet pill or do this exercise or do this. I'm going to slap myself in the own face and say, uh, take this pill. Go to a counselor. Get some counseling. Get some help. That'll make it all right. I believe in counseling. I am one. I hope I believe in it. But it's not the cure. It's not the fix-all. It's, it's, it's just somebody sitting there trying to give you or I direction as to how to go about finding it for the first time or finding it again. That's all that it is. So when we talk about peace, you might dwell for just a moment on what it is that you've done in your lifetime, even what it is that you might be doing now to Hold on to some kind of peace. Anybody want to verbalize for just a moment what you, what you think peace is, your personal peace, what it means to you, what it is to you? Anybody? Total relaxation. Okay. No worries. That kind of relaxation. Don't worry about things. We all, you know, we got to work, right? I guess. You got to work, right? You sure are going to have to work here in a little while, whether you want to or not. Um, yeah, we got to work. 
But total relaxation? Yes, ma'am. Do you have a bad habit of doing that? Okay. And I would like to think that, of course, we have a history together. She's been in the Hope House. Uh, she's um, on her own now, and, uh, but we have a history together. And I would like to think that her daily existence at the Hope House, especially her morning devotion reading Proverbs over and over and over. And, you know, I constantly hear from residents that say, Pastor, do we just, can't we change it up? Do we always have to read Psalms and Proverbs every day? You know, and each one takes a verse, and it takes a while to go through it doing it that way. But uh, did you know that Proverbs talks a lot about what she was just talking about? Being still. Waiting, being quiet, answering with a kind word, not harshness, even when you're spoken to in such a way. You know, what's, you know what's happening? Somebody's wanting to reach in and try to steal your joy. But folks, that, that, that's impossible. It cannot happen. When somebody comes to me and says, she made me, I say, uh, 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 nope, stop. Nobody can make me anything. I can walk in the peace that I'm about to talk about for a few moments, no matter what goes on, no matter what happens. I can go over to the Hope House for a day, and it be nothing but pure torment. And it happens. And I get wore out, and I get tired, and I get frustrated, and yes, my Peace, my personal peace gets taxed and gets stretched. But then there comes a moment when I can take a deep breath and say, I get to get in my truck and I get to go home. And guess what? Nobody has stolen anything from me. I walk out of that building. I get into my truck. I renew my strength. I renew my strength. I may have had to wait on the Lord for a little while. You know, in the midst of, of conflict, whatever that conflict might be, in that midst, we don't really feel that kind of peace. But if we'll just slow down long enough and wait on the Lord, we will renew our strength. Isaiah promises it. Anybody else? Some of the things that you might have done? Yes, sir.
Absolutely. It's a good way of putting it. Anyone else before we start? Yes, sir. Seeing your family happy brings you peace. Absolutely. All of the things that you folks have just talked about are things that you can do, things that we can accomplish. We can work. We can find something that we love. We can do for our family in a way that causes happiness and harmony and joy. We can discipline ourselves to stay in the Word of God, to do what God tells us to do. It takes discipline. All of the things that were just discussed, it takes discipline on our part. We're not talking about discipline this evening, although that's a big part of it, to retain and hold on to this piece that we're about to look at. Anyone else before we... You sure? Going once? Going twice? All righty then. You know I'm going to talk about the peace of God. That's the only kind of lasting peace, the only kind of peace that I know about. I'm sorry, it's not the peace of David. I'm not going to give you David 1-1. You know, it's, it's not happening. It's the peace of God that passes all understanding. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace, not as the world, Jesus said, not as the world gives, not that peace that's in the world. So we know first and foremost that, and this is Jesus himself talking, we know first and foremost that the peace that you and I are pursuing is in Jesus. He spoke it. He left it. In this particular passage of Scripture, Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for his homegoing, for his crucifixion, for his death. He no longer is going to be physically among them. And he knows being God and he knows being who he is, what it's going to cause in them. You see, folks... I guess God has been told several trillion times, you don't understand, right? You ever said that to God himself? You just don't understand. Or somebody speaking to you and you might say to them, well, God doesn't understand. You ever heard that before, ever spoken out of your mouth? Well, I can assure you that he knows he knows to the point, and if there were any question or any doubt whatsoever about him knowing about being human, he took part of himself, put it into the, a fleshly body, and let it walk among all of us for 33 years, suffering everything that we suffered, going through everything that we went through, being ridiculed, being talked about, being put down, having stuff offered to him that he didn't need, that he didn't want. All of these things he went through, and he went through it without one time failing. So he knows we are so loved by a Savior who is feeling our infirmities. So when he knew that he was going to leave them, 
he wanted to prepare them. And he said to them, I won't be here. I'm going to die. Oh, no, no, you're not going to die. No, no, no. I'm going to die before you die. That's an argument sometimes between me and my wife. Who's going to die first? One of the most ridiculous, stupid arguments that two people could possibly have. I'm dying before you because I can't handle this after you're gone. You know, that kind of a, well. But he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be with you. Ephesians 4 and 7, he himself is our peace, he being Jesus. The peace that I'm talking to you about, I have spent my whole life as a minister trying to understand. First of all, trying to understand it from a personal level. How in the world that, you know, being a minister, I get the great privilege of uh, going in the hospitals and standing beside the bedside of somebody that they've had the judgment pronounced over them that they're dying, they have hours or a day or two or whatever the case is, and I get to stand over beside them, sit beside them, whatever, the, whatever it is, and I get to minister to them. Now, you may not consider it a great privilege. I do. First of all, I consider it a great responsibility also, but I consider it a great privilege. And it just blows my mind sometimes how that someone who is going through something like that, someone who is going through something other than that, but it's real traumatic, how they can sit there and in absolute peace. You ever experienced that yourself on a personal level? Or have you ever sat with someone or experienced it? They're facing certain death, and if God doesn't bring a miracle, they're leaving this world, and yet they're laying there in perfect peace. No worries. No cares. You're fretting over it a whole lot more than they are. You know, like something is, it, it's just mind-blowing. That's the kind of peace that I'm talking about. That's the kind of peace that the Scripture talks about uh, in Philippians 4 and 7, a peace that transcends. We don't understand it. A peace that passes all under... Mm, sorry, I got a shoulder problem. All understanding. <laughs> you know, that, if I don't do that, it, the message doesn't even work. I got to do something like that. <laughs> passes all understanding we don't understand it I sit there with someone and I talk to them about the peace of God they don't have a clue they sit there and I can tell by the look on their face by this stare, by this look that they aren't getting it they don't have a clue with what I'm talking about they haven't experienced <clears throat> the peace of God that I'm trying to describe to them so, you know, when I'm talking about it and they're at a loss, hold on a moment. And they're at a loss, then I start searching for 
descriptive sentences or words or pictures that might give them a better chance at a light bulb coming on, grabbing hold of something. Now, you may be sitting here this evening, and when I'm talking about a piece in a situation that the world doesn't even understand it. They look at you and, or you know, it, it may be a family, or you got to go to Susie. She's going to be all upset. she got this news and she's going to be all, and you go over to Susie, and Susie's perfectly calm. Everything's wonderful. Doesn't seem to have a care in the world. And you're wondering, what in the world is, Susie, you're supposed to be upset. Susie, I demand that you get upset right now. Stop acting this away. This is crazy, Susie. You're, out, you're supposed to be upset, Susie. You're, you're, just, you're, deni- you're in denial, Susie. That's what you're in. You ever heard these things? It's not denial. It's the peace that passes all understanding. We don't understand it. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know where it, I have walked through just recently over the last year or so with some folks that have walked through some things that are horrible. And I had my grave concerns that some of them weren't going to make it through. And somehow, some way, individuals started grabbing hold of the security and the peace of God, and it passed all understanding. Everybody else, they just didn't understand it. They didn't. How in the world could she? How in the world could he? How in the world can this happen? I don't know. I don't understand it. When I describe to you about this peace, I can describe it to you. Folks, I can tell you what my pickup looks like. And I can tell you what that little key thing does. And I know what it does when I turn it, but I ain't got a clue how all of it works. I just know that when I put that little lever in the R to the D position, I'm learning that too. You know, my, my grandson's driving. You got it in D? You know, it's not drive, it's D. You got it in D? Don't put it in R. We need it in D. But I don't got a clue how it works. I can describe peace to you. I can describe what it looks like with other people. I can describe other people and testimonies that what they've gone through and how they've made it through, the peace that passes all understanding. One of the major reasons I found a dime. Oh, I get hallelujah. One of the things that um, can get very discouraging is trying to describe to someone about this peace that passes all understanding. I can tell them, don't you know Philippians 4 and 7 talks about it? It lets us know that we're not going to understand it. Don't you know? And they're still as perplexed as ever. And the reason why is because of their perplexing relationship with Jesus Christ. They're here and they're there. They're up and they're down. They're in and they're out. 
They're all over the place. They won't shut up long enough to hear from God. You ever tried to counsel somebody like that? They just won't shut up long enough to hear anything. You know, I sometimes, fortunately it's not very often, but sometimes I have to remind the ladies at the Hope House, how many of these you got? And how many of these you got? Get a clue. Do at least two times as more listening as you do speaking. And for some people, they should do ten times more listening and zero times more speaking until they get something inside of us that's worthy of talking about. Praise God. The Lord himself gets tired of me complaining about my past. I know he does. He gets tired of me complaining about my wife. Hold on, I just found where the dime came from. I got to put it back. Well, I'll do that. After. Somebody remind me after service. And I don't mean my wife personally. I mean, she's Miss Perfect. There's nothing in the world that I could complain about. This is probably being taped, so I'm... <laughs> I, when I go home, I want peace. Praise God. <laughs> The peace that passes all understanding. It involves having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But how do I keep it? Personally, I deal with people that call it relapse, call it collapse, call it whatever you want to. They want to take one foot forward and seemingly two back. And then they'll take get a little healthier, and they'll take one foot forward and one back. And before you know it, if they can just stay committed, just stay in a place long enough, a place that God brought them to, not me. I'm not talking about just the Hope House. I'm talking to all of us. You're right where God wanted you to be, not just this evening. I'm talking about in life. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. One of the complaints that I receive out of people is that when something traumatic happens, such as um, abuse of some type, physical, verbal, whatever it is, sexual, whatever it is, where was God then? Guess what? He's always there. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. If we want this peace, if we want out of the past... It's our responsibility to find out where he was in relation to where I was and where he is today in relation to where I am today. Peace that passes all understanding. I don't know why I keep coming down here because I've got to keep coming back up. Praise God. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep me in perfect peace. This is the key now. If you want the peace of God... And the, the, the prophet is speaking of not peace in the world, 
but a peace that passes all understanding, a peace that he has found that transcends everything that he has ever come in contact with. If you want to retain that, if you want to keep it, if you're tired of relapsing and whatever that means to you, you know, uh, some people, um, uh, they make a commitment that they're not going to get angry anymore. They make a commitment that they're not going to do this anymore or do that anymore. Only you can fill in that this or that that blank. And if you want to be able to keep from going back there again, there's a key out. You will keep me in perfect peace. Him whose mind is steadfast because he has learned how to trust God. Steadfast in what? Steadfast in exactly what he's told us to do. The reason that peace in my personal life is like a wave, it comes and it goes, it comes and it goes, is because I'm constantly mistrusting God. I know I'm a pastor, and I know that seemingly some of you like to hear me in all of these, but I have to admit to you, I'm constantly mistrusting God. My trust in Him constantly is struggling. I would like to paint a picture and say to you that I'm all that and two bags of chips, you know, um, but I constantly struggle with my trust in God. I have to constantly check myself. A great deal of it is the way that I was raised. It, has been, it was hammered in, into me in such a way, as it has been with most folks, in such a way that trust just seemingly wasn't in my DNA, isn't in my DNA. No, let me say wasn't in my DNA. But guess what? My DNA has changed, and I've got to buy into that. I've got to remember that I am no longer David Herring, the uh, child of uh, Mamie Herring, my mom, Josephine, Joe Herring, whatever you want to call her, and William Stephen Herring, my father, W.S. You know, uh, I'm not talking about that child. I'm talking about being brought out of that by the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ that Thessalonians talks about, being brought out of that and being made a new creature so that my DNA no longer is identified with that. If I have a heavenly blood test, they will no longer find the DNA that belongs to that kid. They'll find only the DNA that belongs to Jesus And I have got to remember that in order for me to retain and hold on to the peace that passes all understanding. I spoke with a young lady yesterday. Bless her heart. I I asked Connie to send word to her to try to be here this evening. And of course she isn't. Um... She's having a most difficult time holding on to anything, peace or anything else, sanity, soberness, anything, anything resembling healthiness. 
You know, when you're a, a wife and when you've got small children and all of those things, it's almost a must that you hold on to a few things in order to keep little ones safe that depend on you to keep them safe. So you would think that maybe some people would start doing a few things different. But I spoke with her, and her whole world was coming apart. She battles with this disease of addiction, and now she's got some physical problems on top of that, and uh, everything seems to be crashing and caving in on her, and she doesn't know what to do, and she wants to give up, and she wants to die, and uh, she doesn't know why she shouldn't. And I said, well, you know, um, go in your living room. Sit down in your living room. There's two reasons why you can't, why you shouldn't. There's two reasons why you should do things differently. You don't want it for yourself. You don't want to get up out of it for yourself. Then maybe you can do it for somebody else until you love yourself enough to... Uh, folks, I understand despising and hating ourselves. Boy, that, that, that guy back there, I hated him. I hated the life of sin. I hated who I had become. Anybody identify with me? Can you remember back that far that you just simply despised who you had become? I get it. I get depression. I, I would, when I think about him, I would get depressed too if I thought about him long enough. I went to the hospital recently, and um, the lady that I was visiting, and she was in the Hope House, the lady that I was visiting reminded me of my sister Cindy, who I um, performed the uh, burial ceremony for about six years ago. She drank herself to death, had two great kids. She drank herself to death, and everything that I could do seemingly wasn't enough. I knew I couldn't fix her. But I thought maybe if I kept laying enough stuff out there that it might help her to see and do something different. But it simply didn't happen. And I was sitting in that hospital room and I was reminded of that. And it was bugging and bothering me so much that I simply said to the uh, young lady in the bed, I said, you know, um, I'm going to go now. Because I'm smart enough to know that if I can't handle the, the situation in the present where I'm at, that I can remove myself, that I can get up and leave. You know, she's either going to get well or, or not. It's not going to depend on how long I sit there, how faithful I am at sitting and holding her hand and crying with her. Uh, it just, it isn't. So I was able to get up and remove myself, and as I was walking between the, uh, between when I left her room and my truck, I had already encouraged myself to the point that I wasn't that person. There was nothing I could do. She was in the hands of God. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Frozen isn't in the Bible, but it ought to be. Let it go, let it go. I don't even know it, but I've heard it enough. I should know it. 
Not from my grandkids, from Connie, for Pete's sake. For a while there, it was her anthem, you know, that she... Let me get back to this. I've got to hurry. I'm not going to overdo 8 o'clock. I don't care what. Uh, so, um, you will, he will keep you in perfect peace. Do you know, do you understand that, you know, one of the ladies I've just spoke to you about, she's sickly. Um, she's been pronounced with something now, and uh, she don't know what's what, what's up, what's going on, why she can't stay clean and sober. You know, why doesn't it work for me? Why can't I do it half-heartedly? Can't I just put 10% in while others are putting 100% in, and they're even struggling at 100%, and you're wanting to put 10% in and stay perfectly everything? You, are you kidding me? You know, I want to meet that person because I got a real problem with that person, and I got a real problem with him if that happens. I'm trying to put 100% in, and I'm, some days I seemingly barely are making it, and a person that just wants to dabble at it a little bit thinks that they're going to be all right and everything's going to be full of joy and they're going to stay clean and sober and all of... Are you kidding me? Don't you remember that the life of Christ, the life that you accepted, requires a cross? Don't we remember that he said, take up our cross? Don't you remember that he said in the word you're going to have tribulations and trials and struggles, but be of good cheer, have the peace of God, I've overcome them. That deserved an amen. Thank you. Praise God. So she's got all kinds of physical sickness. Do you know that uh, it has been scientifically proven that the person who harbors resentment, hates, anger, all of those things are four times more likely to start having physical problems, physical ailments. It affects our major functions, our major organs in our body, hate, anger. I teach, or I, don't, I haven't in a while, but I have taught an anger management uh, class. And oh my Lord, I was the perfect person to do that. Because I was so angry. I know everything about anger. I know how to throw things. I know how to hit things. Not people. Close, but not people. I threw things at people. Not to hit them, to let them know this throw means shut up. You've made me angry. There it goes again. You've made me like they could, they really could. I was the perfect person to teach anger management because the Holy Spirit taught me some books that I read and investigated and looked into and studied the words that derive their principles from the very word of life caused me to turn all of that around. It takes a great deal now to even stir up much of anything in me. And when it does, I'm even able then to manage it in a way that 
I think it's pretty dignified. You know, I think it may be warranted even in some cases. Uh, but anger management. And the one thing that I try to get across to them is if you continue in this mindset, if you continue with this living and dwelling inside you, guess what? You're going to get sick. It's going to make you physically sick. You'll either start losing weight or gaining weight. Your bodily organs will start failing you. It is simply a fact. The last time I was up here, which was a few weeks ago, you remember we talked about a house that's been cleaned? Any of you remember that? Well, I look at that like a house. You can come in and I want you to sit down on my couch of anger. I want you to sit down on my recliner of resentments. Because that's all I had in my house. I could identify them with everything that was opposite of what God wanted me to be. But now I can invite somebody in and I can say, you want to come stretch out on my couch of peace? Do you know that peace is something that if we're children of God, that we're supposed to be bearing? Did you know that it's one of the fruits of the Spirit? And if, you're, if you have the Spirit of God living inside you, inside me, that I am supposed to bear peace to the point that somebody can come up and be able to just pluck an apple of peace off and say, oh, Pastor David, when can we meet? Like, I need one more meeting. When... I, I got to talk. I see you're bearing fruits of peace and joy and kindness and happiness. Folks, I haven't just described what I should be. I've described what all of us should be. When was the last time you had somebody inquire or investigate as to what's wrong with you. I don't mean unhealthy. I mean in a healthy way. What's going on with you, brother? You look different. Sister, you're glowing. What's up with you? You know, what, what makeup? You change makeup. Do you do your hair? I was getting ready uh, this afternoon, this evening, and in my f family history, we get bags under our eyes. It just, the older I get, the more baggy I get bags under my eyes. And that, it's not because of my weight, okay? <laughs> Don't make me angry. <laughs> and Connie came in there and she said, oh, let me try this. And she came in there with a tube and some cream in it. And she said, now I'm going to rub this on your, uh, right up under your eyes on the little puffy parts that you have. And she said, it's going to shrink it. And I lifted my shirt up and said, don't stop there, sister. Let's go for it. Hallelujah. Forget a diet. Let's. Is there, you got a tub of that stuff? I can just jump in. I'm not talking about that kind of glow or that kind of look. 
I'm talking about fruits that you're bearing that are just undeniable, that people can look at you and I and say, he's got something. There's something about him. If it's been a while since somebody has said that or thought that about you, it might be that you need to do some pruning, some cultivating, some stirring up of the soil, some fertilizing, doing something so that you and I might bear the peace, the joy, the love, the fruits of the Spirit. Lastly, let me close with this. You say, how do I get this peace? Well, of course, you have to have a a transformed life. You have to embrace and accept Jesus as your personal Savior. But it's a little more even than that. The book of Psalms 34.14 says, Seek and pursue it with all of your might. We know what looking for things are. You ever lost something? Or you ever just needed something to make you feel better or whatever, and you're just going through the house like a mad dog? I come into the house, or basically into our bedroom, and it looks like a tornado has gone off. I don't even ask anymore. I know what's happened. Oh, she's not reorganizing. She just lost something. She's taking it apart till she finds it. I look at it and I just walk out shaking my head because me personally, there ain't nothing I need in this world enough to go through all of that to try and find it and get it. They just ain't. If I lost it, it's bound to show back up, and if it doesn't, I didn't need it in the first place. The peace that passes all understanding is yours, is mine for the taking. It will help us. It will keep us from going back. It's just not, it's just not where we can just stand in a line and it's given to us freely. Why? Because you and I live in an earth suit and we have headaches, pain aches. We got children and grandchildren. If you got children and they're small, you're going to have to pursue and hunt for peace hard. But it's just the way that it is. If you're married and you're trying to work two people into one relationship, you're going to have to pursue peace. I've never been associated with the perfect marriage. I never have. I've done some marriage counseling, and I've had people, to the best of their ability, try to convince me that it's all the other person's fault. And I, sometimes I know better than to even challenge that. But I know better in my spirit that it just ain't the case. You know, um, it may not be 50-50, but it's never all somebody else's fault. You need peace. 
You're going to need the peace that passes all understanding. It is beyond me in closing, and I promise I am. It is beyond me how some people are equipped and able to raise certain children. I've seen some kids in my times, you know, born of an addicted mother who happened to be using while even she was pregnant and certain little things are start showing up in the kid, uh, whether it's attention deficit or uh, whatever it might be. And I sit there and think to myself, That's, that right there is a challenge. That person's going to have a difficult time holding on to the peace that passes all understanding. But if you pursue it, and if you looked for it the way that you looked for something else a little while back, you and I will find it. And we'll find a way to, to know exactly how to deal with and raise the most difficult of children. You'll, you will find out ways how to raise the most difficult of husbands. Whatever the case is, because I've been promised there is no situation that there isn't a way of escape. Out of every situation, there is a way of escape, a way of finding the peace that passes all understanding, a way of getting out of it, not abandoning your children, <laughs> not leaving them on a doorstep and just saying, I can't do this, are you kidding me? Never mind. There is a way. Anybody got anything? Otherwise, we're done. And I'll hit. Sure. I got whenever. Let me see. Everybody note that it's 8.08 and I'm through. All right.